thanks for coming out today. My goodness. It's starting to feel a little more like winter out, isn't it? Getting a little bit colder each and every day. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I kind of feel like it being completely cold without snow covering the ground is pointless. Does anybody else feel that way? Anybody else feel that way? Looking forward to that snow that's coming. We know it's coming, right? Dreaming of a white Christmas. We'll see. Uh, we're going to continue in our Christmas character series today. So last week we started our, our first series, our, our first sermon of the Christmas character series. We're going to look at different people, different people involved in the Christmas story. Now you've, you've probably heard about these people many, many, many times. And so uh, you might be sitting there today and, and thinking, Tony, I, I already know this, or I've already heard this, or why are we looking at this person again? Well, I don't know about you, but, but the Lord continues to teach me things Time and time again, even if I read the same verse a hundred times, there are things about what I'm going through in my life. Maybe I've matured in a certain way. Maybe I've learned this. And God says, I, I have this for you right now to learn. And uh, so let me encourage you, even if, even if you know the whole story today, ask God to speak something new to you. Because I believe he will. I believe he will. Last week we looked at the character Zechariah. We looked at how God did amazing things in his life in bringing his son John to the world. And we skipped over a portion of Luke chapter 1 as we were looking at the person of Zechariah because we weren't looking at Mary just yet. But now we're going to go back and we're going to finish the rest of Luke chapter 1. So if you brought your Bible with you, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you have your phone but you don't have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. The words will be on the screen behind me. But it's great when we can read along together. So today we look at a woman by the name of Mary, a young woman by the name of Mary. Maybe you've heard of her before. If not, you need to read the Christmas story. Many scholars think that Mary was somewhere between the age of 15 and 16 years of age when all of this transpired. Luke chapter 1, and today we're going to start in verse 26. If you, if you missed uh, last week looking at Zechariah, you can go online. It is on our, our YouTube page, and you'll be able to follow along that way. But Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, of the, in the, sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now what we're going to do today is instead of reading through the whole passage, because of the length of the scriptural passage we're looking at today, we're going to read it and break it apart as we go, as we did last week. Right? But can you imagine, can you imagine, just as we talked about last week, all of a sudden opening your eyes and there before you is an angel. There before you is an angel. Now, again, we talked about last week, in case you missed it. When we think of an angel, what do we think of? Don't look at your wife, right? Because my wife is the only angel in this room, but good try. No offense. But imagine opening your eyes, and before you is a mighty creation of God himself. Not a little baby flying around with wings. See, angels are, angels are glorious beings, powerful beings. And here this 15, 16-year-old girl opens her eyes. And before her is Gabriel himself. 
We know last week we looked at Zechariah, this priest who is, who is looked at as blameless among so many people, and he is taken back by the presence of an angel. I guarantee you that you would be as well if all of a sudden Gabriel appeared right before your eyes. And he calls her something. He says, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. What a wonderful compliment. Oh favored one. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this would be. And the angel said, as we saw also at Zechariah, do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. We're all familiar with Mary. Without a doubt, she's the most famous woman in the last 2,000 years. But there's been much disagreement over the person of Mary. Some believe Mary is almost deity herself, which is not what is taught in the scripture. Mary needed her son to save her just as much as you and I did. But she was one who found favor with God and was given a tremendous responsibility and privilege of being the earthly mother to Jesus. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive. This is Gabriel speaking to her. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord, of, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. And Gabriel goes on to explain to Mary who this child will be. Now we're going to talk about Jesus when we get to uh, December 20th, right? The Christmas week. So we're not going to spend time working through all of this. Today we're looking at Mary. We're looking at Mary. But Gabriel says, listen, your son, he's going to be the son of the Most High. His name will be Jesus, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Imagine with me for a moment, trying to process all of this. So Mary asks a very logical question. How am I to be a mother? I'm still a virgin. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Read this verse with me. The very last line. For nothing will be impossible with with God. Read that with me one more time, but I, with our voices. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that today? Do we live like it? See, I think at times we can claim to believe something, but not truly live like it. Nothing is impossible with God. Gabriel tells Mary, look, God allowed Elizabeth, a woman who was beyond the age of childbearing, she was considered barren by many, and yet God allowed her to have a child. God can do the impossible. Not only in the life of Mary, in the life of Elizabeth, but in your life as well. 
But I think what we have to look at is we, as we look at Mary and look at her response, and we'll do this in the next verse, but the first thing that we have to come to the realization of, and Mary had to come to the realization of here, is if she believes that God can do the impossible. Because Zechariah was also told the same thing, yet he doubted, right? He doubted, and, and his punishment was that, that his consequence was that he became mute and deaf until the point when John was born. Do we believe that God can do the impossible? See, I never understood why people will try and explain creation to be a thousands and thousands of year long thing. When they try and explain it as unrealistic being in six literal days. Or I never understood why people try and, and throw Jonah away saying that Jonah's just an allegory because, you know, the reality of it is, is a, a person couldn't really be swallowed by a fish, right? <laughs> well, do you believe that God can do the impossible? And if we do, then why are we throwing, why do we throw things out like that? Why, why is it impossible? Because our God is the God of the impossible, right? That's literally who he is. God makes what's impossible possible. Do you believe that? That God was able to speak things into existence from nothing. If you do, then you believe that God is the God of the impossible. Do you believe that God gave man the ability to think, to make decisions, the process, to be creative out of nothing? Well, if you do, then you believe that God is the God of the impossible. Do you believe that God's the God who split the sea so the Israelites could cross? Provided food for his people in places where there should have been no food. Then God's the God of the impossible. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, he said this, there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. And then it's done. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. Then it's done. It reminds us of Jesus' words in Matthew 19, 26. But when Jesus, uh, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And the question that we have to look at, the first thing Mary is addressed with is, is this question of, do you believe that your God, the one that you have found favor with, can do the impossible? Scientifically impossible. There was a young boy. He was traveling by airplane to go and visit his grandparents. He sat beside a man who happened to be a seminary professor. And the boy was reading a Sunday school take-home paper. He had, he had just got on the plane after church on Sunday, and, and he had this paper that he had colored in class. The seminary professor looked and thought, that's pretty neat. I'm going to have some fun with this little guy. And he says, hey, kid, Tell me something that God can do, and I'll give you this candy. The little kid looks at him. He said, Mister, if you can tell me something that God can't do, I'll give you a whole bag of candy. Do you really believe that God's the God of the impossible? If you do believe that, then look at the situations in your life right now that you're spending a lot of time worrying about. The situations that keep you up at night, that take up a lot of space in your mind, that you've been stressing about, that you've been worrying about. And surrender it to God. Realizing as we looked last week that God's plan for our life is what's best for our life. 
And we trust that in the most impossible situations, God can make anything possible. Verse 38. So Mary, Mary is just told this by the angel, right? With God, nothing's impossible. And she's thinking through all of these things and processing all of these things. And her answer is this. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Isn't that exactly what our prayer should be? Between those two verses, those two verses tell you so much about who Mary was. Nothing's impossible with God. And she, she just heard an impossible scenario be told to her by Gabriel himself. And her response is, well, listen, I'm servant of God. So whatever you have for me, that's good. Let it happen. Bring it on. I'm ready. Let God's will be done in my life. Thy will, not my will. And I rest in that. She trusted God in the impossible. She obeyed in what other people would call absolutely unbelievable. Yet she trusted. Not only that, she said, all right, I'm good with it. I'm sure Mary, at the age of 15 or 16, had already processed what a lot of her life would look like. Don't we all do that sometimes? Thinking through what life will look like in, in five years or ten years. Maybe you're not a five to ten year kind of person, but, but we all kind of think ahead at times. And now she had to realize that what, what she was being told to do, what she was being called to do, was going to require great sacrifice of her because it was going to change her plans. Sometimes in life, when God calls you to something, sometimes, almost always, when God calls you to something, it changes your plans. Because your plans are not always his plans. And I'll tell you this. It's a secret. <laughs> his plans are always best. And we rest in that. But see, Mary had to know that she was going to have to sacrifice. Her life was never going to be the same. She was betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. And now people are going to see that she is with child. And the rumors will start. What about Joseph? Does he know? And is Joseph ever going to believe this? <laughs> like, come on. That's right. Come on, man. <laughs> but see, the life of a follower of Jesus Christ isn't an easy one. And it's one that we're all called to, and we're called to sacrifice. And in this situation, Mary was called to sacrifice. Yet she had to trust God that he would be with her through the entire journey. Her life was going to be completely different. Not the way she had expected or the way she had planned. She was literally about to become the mother, earthly mother, to the Son of God. I'm going to go back to Hudson Taylor again for a moment because I have a lot of respect for him. The great missionary Hudson Taylor said this, I'm no longer anxious about anything. As I realize that he is able to carry out his will for me, it doesn't matter where he places me or how, that's for him to consider, not for me. For in the easiest positions he will give me grace. In the most difficult ones, his grace is sufficient. Maybe you're looking at your life right now and, and you're realizing things are not turning out the way you had hoped or the way you had planned. 
I don't think anyone <laughs> could have imagined that the year 2020 would have been anything like it was. Even as we got into March and there were talks of the coronavirus coming into the United States, I don't think anyone could have imagined it would have been like it was. I think a lot of times in our lives, our situations are very similar. We plan something, and it doesn't always end up the way we hope. You didn't plan to go to the doctor and get a diagnosis. You didn't plan to be struggling in your marriage at this point. You didn't plan to have fractured relationships. But sometimes in our lives, they're there. And I love what Hudson Taylor says. No matter where God has allowed me to be, his grace is always sufficient. He can get me through. And I continue to trust him. See, Mary, Mary had very little of a picture of what the rest of her life would look like. But her answer was, I'm the servant of God. Let it be according to whatever you have for me. And that should be our prayer. God, whatever you have for me tomorrow is probably going to be way harder than anything I could handle on my own. But I trust you in it. So then Mary goes and she goes to visit Zechariah and Elizabeth. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now we should mention that Zechariah and Elizabeth would have been significantly older, right, than Mary. But she goes to visit them anyways. And let's, let's read through this. We're not going to spend a lot of time here this morning. But, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. This would be John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. A great time of rejoicing with her family, of celebrating. But then we move into what's called Mary's song. Where Mary declares and rejoices over what God has done in her life. Look with me at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. See, the beginning of her song, she starts off by doing this. By praising God for what he has done in her life. By reflecting on what God has done in her life. When is the last time that you sat down and reflected on what God has done in your life? It's easy to, to take little things for granted, and, and, and I hear you, this year has been crazy. If anybody thought 2019 was crazy, they had no idea what was coming in 2020. Yet God's just as good and faithful as he was in 2019. Have you taken time this year to sit down and reflect on how good God's been to you? So, as a part of the packets that are out there, I'd been planning to do this all year. Um, as, as the COVID situation went on, I, I thought it was very important. But one of the things I wanted us to do is to reflect on God's goodness to us over the year 2020. 
It's been a very different year. So I included a little letter that you'll get to read, but I want to read you just a couple parts of it before you get to pick it up. To Mount Vernon family, the Christmas season is upon us. 2020 will soon be over and 2021 will be here. While 2020 was different and a difficult year, I can't help but look back and see God's great faithfulness and goodness to us as a church. March 15th was the first Sunday that we decided to start meeting online temporarily. It was different. Mount Vernon did not have an online ministry through video at that point. We had these little cutout uh, podcasts that you could download and listen to. But despite things being really different, I continue to hear stories of Mount Vernon families calling, texting one another, encouraging one another. We had people from their homes that were recording music. And what I'm trying to get at in this, and you'll see, because I'm not going to ruin it for you because I want you to read it. I don't want you to go and look and say, Tony already read it to me. I don't need to read it. I want you to be encouraged because I want you to know that this year, this year has been difficult. There's been a lot of changes, but God's just as good and just as faithful. And this year has been a good year. This year has been a good year because God's good and God's faithful. Take time to sit back and to reflect on God's goodness in your life. Take time to sit back and to look at what he's done recently in your life. Just look at 2020. How has God been faithful to you this year? What has God done that you can look at him and say, you are good. You are such a good God this year. You taught me so much this year. I grew so much this year. And I, and I can trust that and I can rest in that. And I can say that my journey continues to be good because you are in it. Not because of my circumstances or surroundings or things going on in, in culture and society, but because of who you are and what you continue to teach me. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And then she goes on to talk about others. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. For he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary tells of the works of God. One of the things I had planned for this year, but because of all of the craziness that happened, we didn't get to do it, was an evangelism class. And it's planned for 2021. It's going to happen. But when is the last time that you told somebody about Jesus Christ? And you told someone about the works of the Lord? Think about that with me for a moment. For some of you, it might have been yesterday. Some of you, it's last week. Some of you, it's, it's much, much beyond that. Statistics show that the majority of Christians keep their faith very privately and, and do not tell people about the works of God in their life. It's a very sad thing because we're told to declare the works of God. To declare the works of God. Psalms 105 verses 1 through 4. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. 
Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Make his deeds known among all the people. That's one of the reasons I, I wrote this, this letter here today. Now, I know there was a lot of craziness this year, and there was a lot of things that weren't good that happened this past year. But God was still working, and still moving, and still changing hearts, and still impacting people in ways beyond what we can understand and imagine. And there was still good that happened this year. A lot of it. Take time to sit down and reflect on God's goodness in your life. His faithfulness. Even in the most difficult situations. Write it down. And tell somebody about it. How many of you are Eagles fans in here today? I have a question. Can you raise your hand? All right. All right. Take a picture so I know who to give a hard time to here coming up. Who do the Eagles play today? Packers. Who do the Eagles lose to today? That's what I should have said. But who do the Eagles play today? The Packers, right? If the Eagles blow them out, and tomorrow you go into work or school or wherever you're going, and, and your, your friend that you see over there is a Cowboys fan, what are you going to do? You're going to tell them about it, right? How about that Carson Wentz touchdown, baby? You saw that, right? And you're not going to hesitate. You're not going to blink. Because, man, that was good. This book right here is filled with good. And there's a world that needs to know it. God has done so much good in your life. As I look at the life of Mary, there, there are three things that stand out to me. That, that nothing's impossible with God. Nothing, any, any problem that you're going through in your life right now, God can bring the solution to it. Right? So, so don't stop praying like Zechariah probably did. Right? Continue. Don't stop. Trust God. Obey God. But realize that obeying God oftentimes means sacrifice in our life. See, Mary had a choice. And she chose the sacrifice. And we are all blessed because of it. And the last thing today is declare the works of God to all people. Make known his name and his goodness. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's not always easy to think back on a year that has been so difficult and come up with good things. Yet, God, through it all, you have continued to be good. Your goodness doesn't change. It doesn't waver. And Lord, we, we thank you for that. Lord, help us to be people that focus on what you do and how you're moving and how you're working. Take our eyes off of what's going on around us and may we focus on you and praise you. The name that is exalted above every name. Jesus, we thank you for coming. Lord, thank you for recording the story of Mary. That we can reflect on her faithfulness 
her obedience, her trust, and her boldness to share of the mighty works of God. There's so much we can learn. Give us confidence to tell people about who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close our time together, a familiar Christmas song, but with words that continue from where the carol leaves off after the birth of Christ. We invite you to stand and sing with us the first Noel, but born is the King. <laughs> 